Hey, Dylan. Yeah? Do you know why they call it brunch? Uh, because it's part breakfast and part lunch? Yeah, and Lunkfist was already taken. <laughs> okay, Dad. <laughs> I'm Dad now. Welcome to Food for Pod. I'm Dylan, here with Liz. Hey, Dylan. Hey. Hey, what time is it? It's early. We normally don't record this early. What time is it specifically? It's one o'clock in the afternoon, which is not early per se, but... But on Saturday, that's breakfast time. We are having a very special episode today. We're doing a breakfast episode. This is a breakfast episode. Uh, Liz, I see in front of us... Yeah, what did I bring home? We have potatoes, mm-hmm. we have brekkie sandies, mm-hmm. and coffee. Yeah, and what do you what do you notice about the sandies? It's overflowing with things, and it's on a bread that has herbs in it. It's a very it's a fanciful brekkie sandy. Yeah, it's a it's a herb biscuit. We got some eggs, some meat, some veggies, some potatoes. This looks like a sandwich I'm gonna have to eat with a fork. It does. It's a it's a it's a good old knife and fork. Are they two different breakfast? Are they two different sandwiches? Yep. What do, what do we get? So the one on the left is the bestest sandwich. Okay, the bestest. Or no, it's the, so they have one that's their best seller, and then this is their bestest seller. Okay. Which is the best seller, but with I think sausage on it. Okay. And so you've got an egg. There's a bacon jam. I think there's a garlic chive mayo. Interesting. And then this is a herb biscuit. So you got McDonald's is what I'm saying. Yeah, I got two egg McMuffins for (laughs) $1.99. Ooh. No, this looks really good. Yeah, and then the one, the other one is, uh, has kale on it. Mm. So do you want to eat it? And then you tell me where you got it from and why it's so significant? Yeah, let's eat it. Let's eat it. I'm hungry. Let's eat it. Let's eat it. We'll eat it and then we'll tell you about it. All right, so what did you think? Uh, I didn't know I could get so full from a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> it was like, so filling. It was deceptively filling in the sense that, like, the bread, well, there was a lot of bread, and then I, it was good. I, I normally, if we're going and sitting down and having brunch, I never get a breakfast sandwich because I think the breakfast sandwiches are, like, on-the-go kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But this would have been really hard to, like, have on-the-go because yeah, it was, it so was a very, very full. You got the more full yeah. sandwich because yours was egg, meat. Egg, meat, cheese, sausage. Now yeah. I have to take a nap. <laughs> um, but no, they were very, they were very stuffed, um, well proportioned sandwiches. I was surprised that mine stayed together. Like I ate it with my hands. Yeah, and even when I like cut into it, it like didn't like spew out everywhere the way that like a lot of breakfast sandwiches do. Yeah, it was well, it was well structured. Yeah. So let's let's back up a little bit because I still haven't told you where I got food from. Yes, where did we get it from? So this is from a place called Smack Dab mm-hmm. in Rogers Park. Smack Dab in the middle of Rogers Park. Smack Dab in the middle of Rogers Park. Yes, exactly. Um, and they're kind of under the radar. I feel like I found out about them because I drove past it, and I was like, it's in a little strip mall. 
And I'm always, like, excited when I see something interesting in a strip mall. So this wasn't one that's been on any kind of, like, list or anything? This is just something you saw? This is something I saw. I did, like, go back and check. They are, Eater has a list of, like, the best sandwiches and the best breakfast sandwiches. And so it usually gets on their list when they're saying, like, what are some really good sandwiches in Chicago? Okay. No. Because breakfast sandwiches as you can tell, are their specialties. Well, so did, so this is not a, like, sit-down brunch place. It, it is. Either you can sit down or you can take out, um, but the menu is mainly these sandwiches. Nice. And then there's some other things. There's, like, a breakfast burrito, biscuits and gravy, a scramble and a hash, um, quiche, it looks like. Oh, and some bagels. So, so they have, like, a what, what you would think general breakfast stuff would be yeah so they have like breakfast classics but they definitely the focus i feel is the sandwiches and that's to when they are getting accolades um it's It's for for their sandwiches which i can see it was a very good breakfast sandwich yeah it was great um i really enjoyed it a lot I didn't even realize. I thought mine had bacon on it. And it was actually vegetarian. So, oh. fun fact. Yours, yours had a sweetness to it. It had the jam. Yeah, it had onion jam. Yeah. And I was just going back and looking at the menu to make sure I quoted the sandwiches correctly. And I, yeah, I did not have bacon. <laughs> um, so that's funny that I didn't realize there was no bacon on my sandwich. Um, but yeah, so they're basically, they're not just park. They're locally family owned. They've been open since 2017. Their website doesn't have, like, an our story kind well, be- of... Because they've only been open since 2017. Right, well, yeah. Normally, like, our story is we came here from whatever in the 40s and we've been open ever since. Yeah, or sometimes it's like, I got really good at making one thing in the pandemic and yeah. now I'm bringing it to you. Yeah. Um, but no, they, they have, so they're mostly open for breakfast. I also saw on their social media they have pizza sales and they're doing a Thanksgiving dinner. So I think they do do... Thanksgiving breakfast sandwiches. Classic. Classic Thanksgiving gravy and eggs. Yes. Biscuits and gravy. Biscuits and gravy. And eggs. And eggs. Yeah. Look, we're just inventing things that already exist now. Yeah. But no, I've been wanting to try it for a while. It's been on my list. It seems like a nice place. And they did seem very nice. Um, They, um, so... Breakfast sandwiches in general. Yes. It's interesting you said that you think of it as like an on-the-go food. Yes. Because that is like the origins of the breakfast sandwich. Yes. Is, um, it was originally sold, that well, the, again, food history, we never know for sure if somebody wasn't already putting eggs on a bread before yeah. this, but they were sold in like large quantities in 19th century London to factory workers. This is... Very similar to some of the other things that uh, a lot of the foods like the meat pies and things that we've gone mm-hmm. over, they are all inventions of necessity of how do we get people to work? Yeah, I was just thinking industrialization is responsible for a lot of like our on-the-go foods. Yes. and It's like how could we feed factory workers without them taking a long break? Thank you, capitalism, for giving us the breakfast sandwich. I'm not mad about it. I mean, <laughs> if we're going to talk about the harm capitalism has done, like putting eggs on biscuits isn't <laughs> high on my that's list. That's a minor, that's the minor, it, it's, it's the good, uh, like, 
derivative of capital. The only good thing I think capitalism has done. Capitalism has brought us the breakfast sandwich and, and the no- hand pie. And, the ha- um, and nothing else. And nothing else good. Um, and I also learned a little fun tidbit about the most popular breakfast sandwich in America. Is it the Egg McMuffin? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the if Egg McMuffin... I would be shocked if you were like, no, it's actually... It's actually the Burger King... Double down. Yeah, or I didn't even know what they had. I was like, the Burger King chicken something. Chicken breakfast sandwich. Yeah, I don't know. They probably have that. Or the, um, no, the Dunkin' Donuts wake-up wrap. Yes. <laughs> the Starbucks bacon gouda. That's my go-to. It's better than some. <clears throat> it's pretty good. I mean, I it's been on the menu for a long time, which is better yeah. than you can say about most Starbucks. They normally try, try to get them out, except for that damn chorizo sandwich that nobody wants. Dylan, lots of opinions about Starbucks I, breakfast. I think this is the second time I've brought this up. This on the is. Podcast. It is specifically the chorizo. The chorizo is so dumb. It's, such, it's a trash sandwich. <laughs> trash sandwich. And again, of all the things that are wrong about Starbucks, this is low end on the priority. Yeah, very but, low. But we will not have a Starbucks workers union until we get rid of the chorizo sandwich. That's. <laughs> The chorizo sandwich crossed the picket line. Yeah, it's a scab of a sandwich. <laughs> the, <laughs> capitalism, bringing you breakfast sandwiches and breakfast sandwiches that bust unions. Yep. <laughs> um, no, this is what I was going to tell you about the Egg McMuffin. Yes. Um, neutral on unions. Um, Ooh, I wouldn't go that far with McDonald's. I was but... talking about the Egg McMuffin in particular. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> the Egg McMuffin is a man of the people. Oh, yes, yes. Um, McDonald's probably not great. No. Um, so the Egg McMuffin is so popular that I guess statistics from 2015 said that McDonald's purchased 5% of the eggs that America produced. That doesn't shock me. Like, I, that that is very believable. That seems like so many eggs. That is a lot of eggs. But also, there are so many McDonald's. That's true. There's just... Every town has a McDonald's. Yeah, and I guess they must sell a lot of egg McMuffins. Yeah. So let's get let's get back to like these breakfast sandwiches though. Yes. So these were very different from egg McMuffin in a lot of ways. Almost every ingredient was like intentional. It did have eggs. It did have eggs. Mine had sausage. Yep. So And there was a biscuit, not an English muffin. There was a biscuit. And the biscuit was very good, but it was a lot of bread. The biscuit was amazing. Yeah. It was a it's almost cheesy like a, herb biscuit. What is, like, brioche? Is that a type of bread? Brioche is a type of bread. It felt like brioche, kind of. Yeah, brioche is always really buttery, and I think yeah. this was also really buttery. Yeah. And the egg was buttery, and the kale was buttery. It was a very buttery, it is. And um, that's, that, very and that, decadent sandwich. And that's why I need a nap. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm like you, where, like, I feel like normally when I go to brunch and sit down, I want, like... A plate of things, and so a breakfast sandwich doesn't always appeal because it's compact. Yeah. But that was, like, a full breakfast. And I also think when I want a breakfast sandwich, I want something like an Egg McMuffin that will give me the food that I need to start my day, but won't slow me down. That sounds like a slogan. Yes. I take... Come come at me, McDonald's. (laughs) But, But you know what I mean? Like, this is, like definitely a Sunday, Saturday brunch sandwich, whereas if I ate that on my way to work, I would be in for a long morning. Yeah, that is not, I mean, they are open every day, but I do not think I could eat that sandwich and, like, immediately go to work. Yeah. 
I think I like to have that sandwich and then immediately take a nap. And I'm not saying this as like a negative because I think like it's really good and I'm full, but I, I've never really gotten the meat sweats from a <laughs> sandwich before. And it's an interesting... Uh, I did get you like the biggest sandwich yeah. on the menu. And I guess I didn't have to eat the whole thing. That's true. But, <laughs> but, but they're good meat sweats. Yes. <laughs> I'm enjoying my meat sweats. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to me until I've had my meat sweats. That's what I'm going that's to. That's your new coffee that's mug. That's my new coffee mug. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Like, it's the, sometimes if you're breakfast on the go, you want to truly, like, eat on the go yeah. and keep going. And this is, like, I this is a prelude to a lazy Saturday. Yes. Exactly. And so that's the end of this podcast. We're both napping now. We're going to take a nap and we'll just, you're going to listen to us nap for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> Enjoy. Nap along with us. Um, no, I want to I wanna also talk about uh, breakfast in general a little yes. bit. Uh, or brunch. Because technically, we just ate brunch. Ooh, are we getting into brunch hot takes? Yeah, because you have a lot of brunch hot takes that I <laughs> wanted to discuss. So, like, this, like, it's 1 p.m. Yes. This is technically a late lunch. Yes. But it's like, brunch can happen until like 3 or 4 if it's a weekend. Where is your brunch start time? What What is your cutoff on the front end of when brunch can start? 9. Really? I was going to say 10. I think I've gone to brunch at 9, but I get annoyed when somebody makes brunch plans for 9. I, think- I wouldn't call it breakfast if I'm going out... Before nine on a weekend, I think, or after nine. If it, like if I went out at seven, I definitely would not call that brunch. I would call it breakfast up until ten. I think anybody that is like, let's do a brunch and it's before ten, they're just it's being, an act of violence. I think they're being annoying to their yeah. friends. But I don't. I don't. I would still call it brunch. I would just be mad about it. Yeah, I would call it breakfast, and then I wouldn't order a mimosa. Right, I would not too. order a mimosa and at you nine. Can't, and you can't get. Like, that's, brunch has to involve the opportunity to drink alcohol. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even, if you're, not, even if you're not drinking, it needs, and I think that 10 o'clock is the cutoff of, 10 like, o'clock is the earliest one can drink alcohol? No, not one, but, but that I feel comfortable before, like, I know I'm going to, like, waste the whole day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Anything before 10, that's just inappropriate. Well, liquor stores open at 10, generally. So if you're drinking before a liquor store opens, that's not brunch. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I do think I do think that is a good marker of like brunch usually involves an expectation of alcohol, and if it feels like really deviant to be drinking at this time, then it's yeah. probably not now, brunch time. Now to also cut off, when would you cut it off at the end? I would cut it off around two or three. That's what I was gonna say. Two o'clock. I have a hard brunch out at two o'clock. You you feel very strongly that brunch is only between the hours of ten, 10 and, and two. two. Yes. And I think I think that if you start brunch at like one forty five, then it and it goes past yeah. two, that's fine. But don't don't give me a meal after two o'clock and call yeah. it brunch. I give it some wiggle room on either end just because I don't have strong opinions about it. <laughs> like if somebody said to me, We're having brunch, it's at three, I would be similarly annoyed because I would need to eat another meal right. before. And so if it's, like, late enough that you've already eaten a meal, it doesn't feel like brunch. Three o'clock is an hour away from an old people dinner. Yeah. So I think that that's, like, afternoon snack time. But I think it also depends on your stage of life. Yeah. In the sense that, like, if 
you are staying out till like 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. really is your first meal of the day. Yeah. Then I give it a pass. But I don't think that a lot of like brunch places, I think a lot of brunch places close between 2 and 3. I think they generally do. Or they stop serving brunch. In Chicago, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's like, so I think in, in Chicago, like, peak brunch hours are 10 to 2. And I would say like, I, it should be, I agree with you, I think that's a better parameter is it should be late enough to start drinking, yes. but it should be early enough that it's your first meal of the day. Yes. That's, I, I think that's a good. I think that's good. Okay, for, we've nailed. Good, we've, 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 we've qualitated what brunch is. Yes. And now I've been also thinking about what you said, that brunch food has a high floor, but a low ceiling. Yes. And I've been trying to think of an analogy, like a Mini Cooper. What do you mean? Doesn't it doesn't they're not like a low floor? Oh, you're talking car. about literally what like Well it was something with a high floor high low floor, ceiling. low ceiling and I was like a yacht? Well the way that they talk about like a tiny house with a bunch of stairs. They to talk the about they talk about like in the combined in football. Like certain players you know I know what the phrase means. Yeah, okay. I was just trying to envision a what room. If- <laughs> I understand what it that means, was what, but I was like, what is a thing? I, I was not speaking so literally. I know you weren't, but I was trying to. Okay. Something, so, so we're looking for something with... Something with a... So we don't have to waste time on this. I've already brainstormed it a lot. Yeah, like I guess Something where the floor is high and the ceiling is low. Like, a tiny house that's on a deck. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like a, yeah, a deck. A deck shed. Yes. Or a boat. Or an above ground pool. With a ceiling. With a ceiling. With a low ceiling. <laughs> you, you, wait, you didn't grow up with a with a shed over your above ground pool? <laughs> pool with a roof. Is this an Oklahoma thing? I, yeah, I didn't have I didn't have a ceiling on my pool. Well, you need to get with it. <laughs> um, but I think I know. I think your point stands. I was not confused by what you meant. It's okay. pretty hard to like mess up eggs, but it's also hard to make eggs like really outstanding. Well, and I think like. And there was a, Jim Gaffigan had a joke about Taco Bell, where it was like, all you're going to get is just like rearranged version of the same thing, mm. beans, cheese, rice, meat. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like brunch is kind of that way, where it's like, you're going to get a different arrangement of the same things at brunch. Yeah. Nobody's, you're not going to show up and have like, oh, and here we're going to have uh, roast beast or something. <laughs> You know, you're not going to be like, ooh, I've never had this thing before. There's probably nothing on a brunch menu that you have never had before. Probably not. I'm trying to think of the last time, like, brunch, like, really blew me away. I like a good, like, shrimp and grits or anything and grits. I think, what about when we were in Baltimore? Baltimore. And I, well, I tried to order. Right. Oysters, oysters and, grits. and grits, and they didn't have any more. Right. And so I ended up getting like an omelet. <laughs> right. So that that's a bad example. Yeah. If I had had oysters and grits, I would have been like blown away, probably. But I think it's it is like a thing where, and I think most people have like two or three brunch places that they go because they know that they they gonna have the experience that they want. I don't think people are really adventurous about trying a new brunch place. Yeah, I feel like definitely you kind of go to the same places because if 
If I'm eating brunch out, it's probably with a group of people, so you have to figure out, like, what is, like, gonna be able to, like, be appropriate for, like, a large group. And, and is like, the focus of the group to drink mimosas, or is the focus of them to eat? Because that makes a lot diff- lot of difference, because, yeah. because if you go to, like, a, like, bottomless mimosa place, generally, I feel like the food takes a hit. Yeah. Because people are just going... People are going to get drunk respectably in the middle of the day. Yes. Um, but, like, I've also had, I had a group of friends I would go to brunch with who didn't really drink, and that, those were also the people that would say, like, let's go at nine. Yeah. Um. (laughs) It's like, okay, just because you don't want to drink at brunch doesn't mean some of us weren't drinking the night before. Exactly. It's like, I can't say I've never been drunk at those brunches, because I woke up three hours after I went to bed. I don't understand the culture of brunch, though, like, where you wouldn't, like, I feel like it would lose some of its appeal. And if I stopped drinking, if, like, say I didn't want to drink anymore, I probably would not want to go out to brunch that often. Yeah, I haven't... I have... I My general amount of going to brunch has really reduced in the pandemic. Yeah. When... Uh, speaking of good innovations from bad institutions... Um, <laughs> The pandemic is how I learned that you could order brunch delivered to your home. Yes. Like, I don't think I had ever once ordered brunch delivery until the world shut down. And now I'm just like, wait, I could just stay in my pajamas. Stay in bed. Yeah, and I guess I had thought that, like, brunch food wouldn't deliver well. And I think it's usually pretty fine. I think it's fine. Like, you normally have to warm it up. I think getting, like, an omelet, you kind of... Can, it, you can, it kind of just depends on how long to deliver. Yeah, I mean, is. if you're getting like a sunny side up egg, yeah. that might not travel well, but like. Think smart a if scramble, you're getting. Yeah, like make uh, good choices. Anything with potatoes can be warmed up exactly. again. Yeah. I think, I think, but I think that is like the, the thing to realize that it is, brunch is kind of what you want it to be. Because we, I was never a going out to brunch person. We would always just have a rotating brunch at people's houses. Mm-hmm. And that was fun because it was cheaper when yeah. we were, like, poorer. And I got to cook. So. And it's also, like, brunch food isn't spectacularly hard to make. Oh, no, for sure not. Um, I I was going to talk about a couple of things with brunch. My, my hot take with brunch is I feel like lunch always gets the shaft. Because yeah. brunch is breakfast and the lunch. Uh-huh. But what it means in practice is just bigger breakfast food served at lunchtime at lunchtime and like i have like um i i'm a medium fan of eggs like i they're not my favorite i don't digest them particularly well so like i not i don't want to eat eggs all the time like this egg was good it was also like a smaller quantity of egg than like a three egg omelet yeah i think the clutch brunch is uh, they the the brunch that also has part of their lunch menu yes. available, especially if we're going at like the one o'clock, two o'clock range. Like, I want to get like a sandwich. Get a BLT. Exactly. A BLT is a gr- uh, an underrated brunch. Food. Every brunch restaurant should have a BLT because it's breakfast foods in a lunch configuration. It's also extremely easy to make too, and like it's very like it. You just need like four ingredients. Yeah. Um. So that's my biggest hot brunch. No, I thing, I, I agree. I think that I think that there needs to be more lunch acceptance into your brunch. Yeah. Justice for lunch. <laughs> um. 
And then I also just like breakfast foods that are more creative. Like this is this is getting back into a recurring theme on here, but I put in my notes there should be English breakfast on more menus because I like beans. Yes. But I agree. I think that an English breakfast is Again, it's a great sit-down. It's definitely not an on-the-go kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Imagine eating an English breakfast on, like, the tray. Yes, I want I want my English... <laughs> beans on toast. And, and my giant, like, just, like, a hard-boiled tomato. <laughs> and, no, I, I agree. I think that, like, a big... And I've seen other, like... There, it seems like culturally there's big, big breakfast, like, Turkish breakfast, and mm-hmm. just, like... A lot, just like a big sit-down, like, big plate of food with, like, slabs of meat. Yeah. And I think that's fine. But I don't think that there are a lot of places that have that around Chicago. Yeah, it's it's not, and I, yeah. Maybe if we went to that place where we had, like, bangers and mash, they would Oh yeah. Uh, do it. Yeah, I'm sure there are places that have it. We like, a, have like, like, if we found, like, a pub that did breakfast, we could find, like, a big English breakfast. Yeah, but we can get an English breakfast during the World Cup. Yeah. Um, but... Then you're once you move in that direction, you stop having bottomless mimosas, and then nobody wants to go anymore. Well, what are you saying? Like that that mimosas and uh, beans don't go together. <laughs> you're saying you can't have a. You're saying you can't have a bloody mary and. You just, got a like, bloody mary and beans. Well, you here's the thing, because you know people love to have like things in their bloody mary. Yeah. What is better than blood pudding, bloody mary? Interesting. I feel like you could make that into something. I feel like people hate blood pudding, but... People don't hate it. They just think it's weird. It's gross. I don't like the taste of it. Really? Yeah, I'm not a blood pudding. But also, it's just like, it, it's too charred for me. Yeah. Most of the time it comes really charred. But it's definitely a staple of English breakfast. Yeah. So I wanted to tell you about um, the most reckless brunch that I don't know if you've ever been. Yes. I, it doesn't exist anymore. I probably have not. If I haven't gone with you, I probably have not. Yeah, I only go to brunch with you. Um, so there was this restaurant in Boys Town that it closed in 2016. It's this big gay brunch? Yeah, it was called, well, I don't know if it was called that, but it was, um, Taverna 750 was the name of the restaurant. Uh-huh. And they had not only bottomless mimosas, but they had a two-course brunch with each course came with a cocktail. And That's each reckless. cocktail came with a sidecar of more cocktail. So like uh like when you get a when you go to a diner and get a milkshake and they just give you the excess milkshake. Yes. They did that with the cocktail. Yes. And so you would get like the equivalent of like three or four cocktails plus bottomless plus bottomless mimosas. And my friends would always do the thing where they're like, oh, we're still waiting for one more person before we order, because they would cut off your bottomless mimosas after you got your first course. Okay. So there would always be somebody running late. But also, like, not to, like, get too behind the curtain, your friends are always, like, 45 minutes to an hour late. Yeah, and maybe maybe this is a learned strategy from too many bottomless mimosas. Maybe, but that is a reckless amount of bottomless mimosas before... You have multiple cocktails. Yeah, it is. It was. It was a recipe for a disaster Sunday. Um, we one time we drank them out of champagne. They were like, <laughs> "You've reached the bottom of the bottomless mimosa." I was on a flight one time, and they had to make an announcement about 
how there was too many people had gotten drinks and they the flight was out of booze. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I don't know if they were doing that. I think the problem is they so they gave our group we were we were going to California for like a school project in, in college uh-huh. and they gave us a uh, like we were sitting there and they gave us like some free little bottles of whiskey and the dudes behind us heard that and so they asked for free bottles oh, no. so I think that they were just like giving so many people free bottles of whiskey they had to like be like oh we're out of booze on this flight <laughs> no more free whiskey so maybe they weren't they actually were just of, you need to stop they were like we this is how we can get these drunk women at this gay bar to stop yeah. drinking bottomless <laughs> that was also the one where my friend fell asleep yes and Somebody at one of the other tables goes, looks like we've got a gay brunch novice. And she sat straight up, bolted awake, and was like, I am not a gay brunch novice. <laughs> like, the only thing that could have been woken, like, could have woken her up was being told. Being, being insulted. Being insulted about her level of experience. She just likes to take naps. Yeah. Sometimes when you've had, like, seven mimosas and four cocktails, you just need a little nap. It's called, it's called recharging. Yeah. And that wasn't exactly the thing where I don't even remember what was on the food menu. Yeah. Like, they had food. I ate it. The purpose the purpose of that brunch was not the food. No. It was the food was, like, a thin excuse for drinking way too much. So, in conclusion... Well, I have a question before yeah. that. Do you consider... So, like, this is a broader conversation and question about day day drinking in general Uh do you consider like going to a place like a brewery at like noon or whatever to be brunch or does it have to specifically say here is our brunch menu i think it has to specifically say your brunch menu if you go and get pizza at a brewery at noon that's not brunch that's just lunch yeah but you but you're also like there because i think that i know a lot of people that have gone out to like breweries earlier in the day and the specific intent is to to drink to day drink. I don't think any day drinking is brunch. You know, oh yeah. Like tailgate isn't brunch. Could be. You can have brunch at tailgating. But also I think that I put tailgating in to the breakfast category because normally if you are tailgating that early, it's you've generally started at like seven or eight in the morning. Yeah, that's just that, um, tailgating is its own that's category, its own thing. I feel, yeah. But I think that, no, I think if you, like, go to a restaurant for lunch and you have a glass of wine with your lunch, it's not suddenly brunch. Okay. No. That was actually my question. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think it's brunch just because you're drinking during the day. You don't think that, that... I think there has to be breakfast food. Early alcohol consumption does not equal brunch. Yeah, that's, that's no, I think because you can... You can have brunch without alcohol. Yes. We just did. Yes, we did. We're not... I just got a but coffee. But that also comes with have it, getting it brought in versus yeah. going to a place. Because I do think that... I don't know if this place serves alcohol, but going there, I would probably be more inclined to, like, get a mimosa or a Bloody Mary. I don't think they do serve alcohol. Right. But you know what I mean. Like, but yeah, I would be I'm more inclined to if we were there. Yeah. I'm way more inclined... Or if we had people over here... I'm way more inclined, if it was just you and me going out to brunch, we would 
feel less pressure to that to share bottomless mimosas. Right. I wouldn't. I don't. I would. I don't think I've ever done like a bottomless mimosa on like an individual date with yeah, another person. Because you're not. You're not even like a big mimosa person. You're more of a bloody mary person. Yeah. Usually I do a bloody mary. I appreciate when they have bottomless of either. Yeah. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I think that do. I think that they people are turning away from the bottomless the bottomless marys because it's less cost efficient than cheap champagne. Yeah, one hundred percent. Mimosas are extremely cost efficient. Yeah. Um. Well, great. It's should we should we transition over to dinner? Yes. So already I'm stuffed. All right, it's time for dinner. Okay. Um. No, this is. I wanted to talk about a dinner we had recently. Um, which is we went to Galit in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. And I was, that was somewhere that I have been so excited to try. It was on our, it was so, it was so much, it was on our big board. Yeah, it was on our board of places we need to go. And I, it got a Michelin star recently, so it's been getting a lot of accolades. Um, it's in Lincoln Park and it focuses on Middle Eastern food and specifically Israeli food. Israeli food. And I did, when I was looking at the some background, I found that the chef at Galit worked at Zahav, which is one of the best restaurants in Philadelphia, and it's also an Israeli restaurant, so I was not surprised to see that, actually, because Zahav is a really great, really celebrated restaurant, and so it makes sense that somebody that worked there would come here and open up a similar, really great, really celebrated restaurant. Yeah. So what did you what did you think of the meal? Uh, well, first we have to start off that I got so confused. <laughs> we do the menu is not straightforward. I got very confused, but also I can admit that I'm probably dumber than the average Galit uh, patron <laughs> who probably is more used to things like this. I did not know that you could put meat in hummus. Yeah, Dylan got, like, stymied by the first thing on the menu. Because it said it had, like, three different hummuses we could pick from, and one of them was roast beef, and I was like... Brisket. Or, or it was brisket, and I was like, oh, well, that can't be real hummus, because they would nobody would ever put meat in hummus. Yeah, you were like, you I don't ha- want cinnamon-flavored hummus, and I was like, I think that's the rub on the meat. Right. And you're and, like, but it's hummus. But it's hummus. There can't, and, and we talked, like, the, the manager or the owner, whoever... I was like, I re- you also, like, I would not listen to what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I asked the guy, I was like, uh, I was like, what is the deal with this? And he's like, you have to get it. It's the one thing that is always, and I was like, but does it have meat? And he's like, yes, it's hummus with, with brisket on it. And it was probably my favorite thing of the meal. I think it was that or like the squash puree later on yeah. were like my two favorite. Oh, and the lamb sausage. But lamb sausage. The brisket was the brisket hummus was so good and the brisket itself was so good and I think it was also that thing where it was like the first thing we ate and yeah. I was hungry so it, I was like we, this we, is we went later we went later at night and we'd been building up the appetite yeah. so no it was definitely really good um, I really liked the vibe uh, I liked the that you I mean it, it's 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 a fine line between like my ADHD going crazy and, like, <laughs> loving watching everything happening in a yeah, busy restaurant. Yeah, we had counter seats, so we, when you sit at the counter at Billy, you can basically just watch everybody in the kitchen. Yeah, and hear all the conversations of all the tables around us, and mm-hmm. I, this is, this is, uh, I'm just a terrible person to go to a busy restaurant with, yeah. because I just have to listen to everybody. Don't go to this restaurant if you're easily overstimulated. <laughs> um... No, so it was, but like basically, yeah. So the the complicated menu is you pick a hummus, and then you get a few other 
little, um, they're called salad team, but it was like a bean salad, a yogurt, a peppers, a pickles, and, and I think pita the, bread. The difficult part about this is we did get to choose our own adventure. Yeah. And I think I would have been happy with anything that they put in front of us. Yeah. So, like, I have a little, like, regret that, like, we picked what we picked, not because it wasn't good, but because now I wonder what, like, the other things tasted like. Yeah, I think, I, re- I do not regret most of our choices. I did regret the bone marrow. I was, I was a little shocked because the bone marrow did seem more like a, a, a pate than I was expecting. Yeah, and it was, it was kind of rich, and it wasn't as, yeah. like, there, there wasn't as much, like, umami flavor as I kind of wanted. When I expect bone marrow, I expect it to be, like, they give us the bone and we have to, like, yeah. scoop it out. Which, yeah, it was, like, a spread that you put on this, like, super buttery bread. When we had already had, had like, a lot of, a bread, lot of with bread, bread and spreads, which were very good. And so I think that was, like, mostly our mistake. I also went back and looked at the menu and it is no longer even on the menu. Really? So don't even worry about it. Yeah. Um... I also thought it was, we did not choose to order this, but they do have a turkey shawarma. So, like, when I was the other episode talking about, I've never seen turkey on a fancy restaurant menu. Now we have. Now we have, but we didn't get it because we've been eating so much turkey. Right. So, we got... uh, Shout out Thanksgiving leftovers. Yeah. No, the striped bass was, like, so good. I need to work eating more fish from fancy restaurants into my diet. (laughs) Because when we go to a nice restaurant... I'm like, I want the steak. Like, I want this. I want, like, the thing that I know, like, is, like, really thin. But, like, fish is very... The bass was, like, the skin was the great. The skin was amazing. Like... Crispy skin. The... I really liked the the lamb sausage thing that we had with the mint and celery root. Oh, my God, that was good. Lamb kebab el babor is what it's called. Um... You yes. remember? Yes. And it came solid. Yeah. That, that was like the most minty. Like it was like a you know yeah. how they have like umami bombs. That was like a mint bomb. Yeah, and it was great because mint goes so well with lamb. And I think you like lamb a little more than I do, especially like ground lamb. Yeah. I like a I like a lamb chop. Uh huh. But I think like this was less like it was like I don't have to brush my teeth after this. <laughs> Because of all the mint. Yeah, and I want to say the falafel was also, like, yeah. not dry. And the pita, the pita that they made right there, and it was, like, fresh pita. Oh, my I, God, it was so good. We, just, we also just got mesmerized watching somebody put pita in and out of the oven. And I don't think I've ever had fresh pita before. Yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, solid solid choice. Yeah, I I also just wanted to say, because this is one of the funniest things, is do you, you look at reviews when you're picking out restaurants? No. I love to read reviews to see what people complain about specifically. I ask, when I'm picking out restaurants, I ask if you've heard of it, and you <laughs> and you normally are like, "Ooh, yes, this is this is this." So I don't need to look anything up about it. Okay, but you're missing out because, like, <laughs> for this one, for example, I was looking at the reviews because I wanted to see what people suggested ordering because we had to make so many choices, and this feels yeah. like the bougiest complaint to be like, "I don't want to choose my food." Yeah. But like, I was stressing about making sure I made the right choices. But, but I think that that's that's in itself is an interesting thing because there are some people that you can't. We're we're just gifted at wanting to eat things that are good and not really caring. Yeah. Where it's like some people are like, "No, I need to like have control over this part of my." Yeah. Life. So let's put a pin in that because yeah. I was going to mention that a little okay. later. But I think. The, um, with the reviews, the funny thing is there were, like, equally many reviews complaining 
that they didn't get enough food and reviews complaining that they got too too much much food. food. And I'm like, I'm sure it's the same amount of food, but some people, like, no matter, like, how many courses they eat, they're like, I still needed a McDonald's. Well, and we've known people that, like, we've gone out and done coursed out menus with, and they've been like, are you full? And it's like, I even if I'm not, like, full doesn't equal, like, falling over, like, not being right. able to walk. Yeah, like, I don't actually like that feeling. Yeah, like, if you're not full until you, like, can't bear to eat, that's an uncomfortable amount of full. Yeah, but I also, like... I think it's funny to be like, they gave us so much food. Yeah. I'm mad about right. it. <laughs> oh like, my goodness. Just take it with take you. It, take it, yeah. We're, I am not above uh, asking for to-go box at our coursed out meals. Yeah. It's, they don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I wanted to go back to the, the thing about like some people aren't up for tasting menus because one of the things I realized is like people get... People take the Michelin Guide probably more seriously than they should. Like, uh-huh. it's a it's a huge honor. Everybody talks about, like, which restaurants have Michelin stars. I think I'm going to preface this conversation by saying, like, please remember that the Michelin Guide was created by a tire, a tire company. company to encourage people to drive. It's just one set of reviewers. It's not the be-all, end-all in, like, what are the good restaurants in a city. Yeah. And... The other thing that, this is just another thing that drives me crazy, is people will say they went to a Michelin star restaurant in, like, Michigan, and it's like, they actually know, they only go to a couple cities, so you didn't. Like, you went to a very good restaurant. I think that a lot lot of people sub that in with fancy. But it has a specific meaning. I, I understand, but I understand where people are coming, because I think, like... That a Michelin star restaurant just means it's a fancy restaurant. Yeah, and that's not, it's not what it means at all. Yeah. Um, but, like, we in Chicago currently have 23 Michelin star restaurants. I'm going to brag a little bit and say that I've been to 17 of them. Whoa! Wow! As well as 13 that have closed and four that have lost their star. I did the math yep. <laughs> this morning. And so, I, but I was just thinking, like, if you wanted to find, like, an entry-level Michelin restaurant, if you, like, don't have a shitload of money to spend on this, or you just, like, are going with, like, your mom who has, like, very specific... I didn't mean your mom specifically, no, although but we did use this. this. My mom yeah, fits like, this category. Like, you're just a person that, like, wants a nice meal or, like, wants to go somewhere for a treat but maybe isn't a super adventurous eater. Yeah. I think Elite is a really, really accessible one. I think so, too. Because the tasting is... It's $78... And while it was a little confusing, like, we did get to choose, and they gave you a lot of choices. And it's also not stuffy. And I think, yeah. that, and I think that everybody has had access to some, because, like, hummus is very accessible. And yeah. People, there's plenty of extremely familiar foods on fast. that menu. Like, it's, yeah, like, there's... There's lamb, you don't, there's, You don't like, have to get the foie gras, like... Yeah, there's bass, there's turkey pastrami there's yeah. carrots like it's not like it's not an it's a very accessible menu and you have like choices which means that you can avoid ingredients you don't you like you have control over yeah. it is a choose your own adventure yeah and i think that like the t- the price point at 78 dollars is one of the if not the least expensive in chicago so i actually did some more research to just be like here's a rundown of like what are good um Easily accessible Michelin star restaurants. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
Along those lines. So basically in terms of how complicated is the menu and how expensive is it. Yes. And North Pond, which is where we took... Where we took my parents. Your parents, is another really accessible one if you're looking because you get a choice for each... For each section. Section. Yeah. I think everything that you're saying is exactly why we took my parents to North Pond when they came and why, like, Galit would be a really, like, if they were to come back, why that would be, like, a good place to take them yeah that would be another really good one and then there's another one that's like that that i haven't been to in a really long time that now i'm like we should try again is sepia uh-huh. um you have not been there i have not i went there once for a work dinner and it was very embarrassing because i somehow spilled an entire glass of red wine hell on yeah. my blouse hell yeah and luckily because i it was consulting multiple people had suitcases with them so somebody gave me a shirt, and then I asked the restaurant if I could dunk my blouse in, like, a glass of club soda, and they just, like, brought me a glass of club <laughs> soda, and I had my shirt in this glass for the rest See, this makes me feel really good, because uh, at least you didn't throw up in a very fancy steakhouse in front of the uh, whole Chicago Blackhawks, which is a, te- <laughs> which is a teaser for a future a teaser episode. For, we'll tell that story on a different one. Um, but yeah, so they, they were very nice about that. They have a tasting menu, which is four courses where you choose from a couple of options at $89 a person. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like a similar vibe to North a, Pond. A lot of these sound like, you know, when they do restaurant week. Like, yeah. Like the special restaurant week menus, but they do it like all Yeah, all that's the what time. they have all year on. So I think those are anywhere where you're giving people choices is a really good, like, Bringing your mom, who's a little nervous about uh, just finicky, or fin- and I, I, I don't likes know. what they like. I'm just, I'm just using the word mom as a stand-in I think, for like I think if, I think if all moms or aunts mm-hmm. or whoever, whoever is in fine dining, a novice at fine dining. Yeah, um, I don't know. So they might wake up from a nap and say, "I'm not a fine dining novice." <laughs> Um, and then I saw that Porto, another Michelin star restaurant, has now a $75. Did we ever go to Porto? We haven't been to Porto Okay, yet. we talked about it when we went to Portugal. When we went to we actual should, Porto this week. We should, we should go back. go back. Uh, no, I just, I have a friend who time. just did the $75 tasting and said it was amazing. All right, well, we should take a nap and then go to Porto. Tonight. All right, we'll go to Porto later. <laughs> no, and then I just want to run down. There's a couple of places that have a la carte. Which is also, like, most of the Michelin star restaurants in Chicago are tasting menus. Yeah. But Boca has a la carte options. Elska, which we went to. We went to Elska. We did, we did the tasting, which is also a reasonable price. But they also have an a la carte menu. And on the a la carte menu, the most expensive item is $32. Nice. So that actually, I would say that that comes in as also one of the most accessible and i felt like the vibe was very like comfortable yeah the 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 dude was very friendly with us yeah they were great um and then uh kasama which we haven't been to yet but bringing it full circle to brunch they have a very difficult to get a reservation tasting menu at night but during the day they have counter service brunch okay which is really interesting and something that i really want to try um and yeah, and then I also just wanted to shout out Elizabeth is a tasting menu, but they, um, if you subscribe to their email list, you'll get like flash sales. 
So if you want to like do a tasting menu for like less than what the standard price point is, get on one of those flash sales. I think we need to do that. I think we should. I've done it before. Uh. Um, yeah. And so like that's that's my rundown of like if you have never been to a Michelin restaurant and you want to like try one in Chicago, those are the best options. Nice. So what's cooking good, Dylan? Okay. So, for What's Cooking Good, Dylan, I want to talk about somebody that we both have talked about, but not on the podcast. Uh, In these trying times, with strife and political unrest, uh, we all need somebody to look up to, and we all need a hero. And one has appeared over the past couple of months that uh, the internet is rallying behind. Is it the Rotisserie Chicken guy? You you are getting ahead of me. Uh, In the streets of Philadelphia... (laughs) One man <laughs> has decided to conquer the odds. Philly has been had it had taken a hard turn. They were so excited because they made the uh, World Series just to lose to the hated Astros. But the week after they lost the World Series, uh, Alexander Tominsky appeared. And Liz, do you know who this is? Yes, he's the man who ate a rotisserie chicken every day for 40 days. 40 days in a row, he ate a rotisserie chicken and took the internet by storm. (laughs) And on the 40th day, there was a big, not a party, made sure. (laughs) This is not a party. He made sure on the flyer, the only way that he let people know that he was eating his 40th and last rotisserie chicken in a row was flyers that he posted on Street Post saying that if you want to come watch him eat it, please do. But remember, this is not a party. This is not a party. This is just standing on a pier watching a man eat a chicken. And he did. And he gave a lot of interviews saying that this is... He he understood the magnitude of what it was because he was just like, this is what people need right now. People need me to eat 40 rotisserie chickens <laughs> in 40 days. Now, this is my question. Yes. This was happening around, like, noontime, right? I think so, yes. Would you consider it brunch? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely one man eating one man eating a full chicken is not brunch. Now I did I did read multiple interviews with him. And do you know how long it took him to eat a whole rotisserie chicken? Fifteen minutes? So starting out, yes. It was like fifty he said fifteen to twenty minutes, but as it went on... Did he get better at it? He got worse at oh. it. Like, it would take him up to two hours. Oh, my God. The last one, because he had so much energy, it took him about an hour. <laughs> uh, and he said that he lost about 15 to 20 pounds in this endeavor, uh, given that his whole diet basically consisted of just rotisserie chicken. That makes sense. And he was like, I lost 15 to 20 pounds, and that was 15 to 20 pounds I did not have to lose. He didn't. He could have eaten other things. I think that this was a man over. It's a mind over matter thing where you know sometimes a guy's got to put his mind to something and stick to sometimes it. Sometimes you just need a challenge. He, and I think that this was his challenge. He said he's never going to do anything like this again. Uh, he they they asked if there was a Mrs. Rotisserie Chicken Man, and <laughs> he he said he does have a wife who is a known artist and professor at one of the schools in oh Philly. Oh my god. And that, he, he, <laughs> and that nobody really understood what he was doing. Uh, but then once they started getting publicity, people 
uh, embraced him. And this all leads me to say that I think that we nobody can be Johnny Appleseed or Paul Bunyan or Rotisserie Chicken Man, uh, but we all have to like live a little bit of our life like Rotisserie Chicken Man. And my question is, Liz, if you had to eat one thing for 40 days in a row, what do you think you would pick for that? I was thinking about that while you were talking, even before you asked me the question. Yeah. And I mean... I eat cereal most days. Yeah. But that's not interesting. Like, if I was like, I'm going to eat cereal for the 40th day in a row. I don't know if, like, rotisserie chicken is that interesting because I do know people that, like, they're boring and they just eat chicken for every meal. But I think it's more that it was a whole it was a chicken. Whole chicken. It yeah. wasn't just, like, like, it was, like, certainly it's not interesting to eat cereal every day. I just, like, but what's like a unit that would be interesting? So my my thing that I came up with it has to be something that you won't get tired of, and it has to be impressive. I think I would do a pound of peel and eat shrimp. Oh, interesting. Every every day for one, I don't think I could ever get I don't think I could ever get tired of it. Two, peel and eat shrimp is a very interesting thing aesthetically to watch somebody do. Yeah. And there are plenty of dips that can you can do with peel and eat shrimp to make it, it different and not get tired of the same old thing. Was he dipping his chicken in anything? I don't know. what I, I did not. I know he bought chickens from different places. He did. He tried out a lot of different rotisserie chickens until he found the kinds that he wanted. Yeah. He also said that he was going to... Uh, he said he was going to eat the 40th at the restaurant that he worked at, but he decided that the community needed to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I don't think there's, like, because the foods that I like are, like, cheese. I just, like, don't know how I think you could, if you I ate, would frame that. If you ate a wheel of cheese every a day. A whole wheel? I mean, maybe a small wheel, not, like, the big, like, Tuscan size wheels of cheese. You know, I'm not saying go to like an Italian restaurant and be like that big ass wheel. What if I got a big honking wheel of cheese? Big honking wheel of cheese. Yeah, and then I just said I have 40 days to eat this wheel. I think you could do it. Okay. I think if I'd, I'd give you 20. And then I'll be like, everybody come watch me finish my cheese. <laughs> everybody come watch me eat the last bite. <laughs> yeah, like I've I've whittled this wheel down to this little thing, and now I'm gonna eat. That would not look impressive. I feel like that's the thing. It's like it's only impressive because he did. He wasn't like I'm gonna eat rotisserie chicken every day. He's like, like I'm gonna eat a, a whole chicken. chicken. Yeah, yeah. Which honestly, if you go to like Jewel or Walmart and see like. The price, that's not that expensive of a thing to do. Because yeah. I think like a rotisserie chicken is between Especially like, if you're apparently not eating any other food. Yeah, it's between like six and eight dollars for one. And so like that's the cost of like a pretty inexpensive lunch. I'm just like, I'm thinking about it now when you're like, he didn't really eat anything else. He lost like 15 pounds. I don't know if he ate other things, but he did say he lost 15 pounds. It does sound like doing something like that would make you like lose some of the joy of eating. Oh yeah. And that's what he said. He was like, I'm now only going, I'm not eating for, for a, I'm not going to get into like competitive eating or anything like that. I just, I, I'm going back to eating as a way to sustain me living and yeah. not, not for a purpose, which I think <laughs> is a very, it's a very, uh, self-aware Thing of what this guy is doing because he got the clout and I think that there's not I don't think that there 
was a part of him that was like, oh no, don't give me the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Because he was doing some real, like, outlandish things to, like, promote it. Yeah. But if he really is going to, like, not try to, like, parlay this into a travel network show, <laughs> you know, then good for him. I think that, that, that he could be... In, in this time of bean dads and shrimp cereal men and all these people that get go viral for things i i think we can agree that rotisserie chicken man is is the hero this city deserves and by yes. this city i mean philadelphia, philadelphia that we don't live in not our not the city that we currently live in but the in, city but... of food people the community the, the food community the food needs community a needs this hero sure and that is my spec script pitch about <laughs> The Rotisserie Chicken Man, the movie. And how he brought the community together. (laughs) Now we need to, you need to write like a rom-com where two people meet cute at the Rotisserie Chicken, uh, not party. But she doesn't know that he is a, he has been doing this to get up, to get over a breakup or something. Like, this is the weird thing. Oh, I just meant two people who are in the audience. Oh, two audience members. Yeah, right. we don't make the rotisserie chicken man the focus of the story. Oh, that's good. Oh, good. I like that he's he's more of just a plot point for them to he's meet He's like each a other. catalyst. Ooh, I like that. There's a, there's a new journalist in town, and I'm here to cover the rotisserie chicken man. And I'm just a guy that saw the flyer and, wanted <laughs> to, and was off work for today and wanted to check it out. And, and then I, I lean over, and I'm like, would you like to go get... I'm hungry. Would you like to go get some rotisserie chicken? I'm a vegetarian, actually. Mm. Then this this isn't going to work. All right, that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to theaters near you. All right. <laughs> well, this was a fun episode. Happy brunching. Happy brunching. Only between the hours of 10 and 2. <laughs> like, like you're driving a car. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening. So today we ate breakfast sandwiches from Smack Dab, which is in Chicago at 6730 North Clark Street in Rogers Park. We also talked about our dinner at Galit, which is in Lincoln Park at 2429 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. I did quickly mention a whole bunch of other restaurants, uh, just scroll back 10 minutes i'm not gonna list them again but um also be sure to like and subscribe us and we'll talk to you soon